chapter of the book of John. Remember, everything, as always, is recorded. And now, of course, there are select uh, sermons being placed on the website. You can go there and listen. Not everyone is going to be on there, but there will be changes in and out with things, and people can catch up if they've missed a week or or uh, they can direct somebody to the website for sermons and so forth, but where you can get a hard copy as you've always been able to. But the title of today's message is one I told you last week the Lord gave me a week in advance. I told you how sometimes it's so uh, hard to know what I'm going to preach because I want to be so careful that I'm hearing from the Lord last week was a powerful message on being hearers, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, not in reference to just kind of knowing about the Bible and doing what we think is what the Bible tells us to do. Well, we got to do that too. But specifically, when we hear the message of the cross, when we hear the true salvation message, if we don't act upon it, if we don't do what it tells us to do, if we're not actively engaged in being a believer, not just a hearer, but a doer, we're not really doing what God has asked us to do. And I preached a powerful message on that last week, and I'd like you to consider getting that for yourselves if you missed it. But today from John 16, verses 7 through 11, I'm going to preach to you a message that I believe the Holy Spirit has given me called Sin, Born Again, and Hell. And as I said last week, you don't hear me rarely, I think maybe on two occasions since 2010, and rarely anywhere else, especially are you going to hear somebody preach on hell. But folks, I'm telling you right now, hell is as real as heaven is. Hell is as real as the nose on the end of your face. And yet most know little about it and don't even want to hear about it. Hide my head in the sand. Don't tell me that stuff. I don't want to know anything about it. Well, folks, you need to know about it. I need to know about it. And the world, the lost, they really need to hear about it. We're going to look at it here in the Word in just a moment. But let's pray first this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, Lord, do I need the anointing this morning. Lord, I don't want this to be something other than what you want it to be. Lord, we need to address sin. We need to address the new birth, and we need to address hell. But I pray that it will come forth under the anointing and only the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, bless me with your presence to preach this morning. I ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 16, starting in verse 7 down through 11, again the title, Sin, Born Again, and Hell. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Here, of course, Jesus talking to the 500 that had gathered to watch him Ascend, And as I've said to you before, isn't it amazing that as they watch this miraculous event taking place, lifting up from the earth, come on, folks, 
Wouldn't you and I just be in awe to see the Lord lift off from the earth and just start to go up? Pardon? That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Big, puffy, white one. Hallelujah. <laughs> A cumulus cloud, I think. No, he's coming. He's coming in the clouds. But anyway, so, so, so he's telling this stuff to the 500. They're watching him lift off, and as he's told them then to go back to Jerusalem to tarry there and wait for the endowment of power, don't try to do anything. Don't try to minister. Try to, to do nothing. Just go back and wait and pray until the Holy Ghost comes. From that point back to Jerusalem, a whole bunch of them got lost in the journey. In fact, 380 of them. Because 500 heard him say it, only 120 were in the upper room. Now, what's that all about? That's not good, is it? And yet we see that same kind of thing today. I could preach the most unbelievable, powerful gospel message you've ever heard and walk out the door and you're already thinking about something else and you forget what the Lord has told us. Folks, the devil is real, hell is real, and he wants nothing more to rob you and to steal from you and to kill from you anything good that God has for you. Do you hear me this morning? He wants to rob the gospel from you. He wants to rob the abundant life from you. He wants to rob your health. But aren't you glad that in the same verse, John 10.10, as the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, I am come. In fact, not I have, but I am come that you might have what? Life and have it more abundant. In other words, don't worry about that. It's real. It can happen, but keep your eyes on me. Put your focus on me because I'm life, and I'm life more abundant. If you keep your eyes on me, this can't touch you over here, even though it's real. Do you understand that this morning? Now, I'm going to read the rest of this verses. Let's go back and even start at 7 again. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, of course, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So it was necessary that he leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. And when he is come, he will, he will, he will reprove. He will convict the world of sin. Hallelujah, which is the supreme sin of rejecting Christ, as the expositors tells us. The, ex the, the supreme sin is to reject Christ and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged, John 16 711. I was reminded this morning that I want to tell this before we even delve into this, but does anybody remember the renowned football coach of the Green Bay Packers by the name of Vince Lombardi? Renowned coach, one of the best, if not the best ever. And those Packer teams of the middle 60s, 
won several world championships, eventually Super Bowls once they came into play in 1966. I wouldn't know all these things. John told me about them. He filled me in on all this football stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. But in 66, the Super Bowl started. And the first two, the Packers won. And then the next year, you may have seen clips of this before or heard sound bites from it. But they were playing the next year, playing as world champions several times over. And I think they were playing out on the West Coast. It really doesn't matter. Los Angeles, San Francisco, somewhere. And the other team is having their way with the Packers, the champions. All of a sudden, they didn't look so good anymore. They weren't playing so good. And on the sidelines, whether by video or sound clip, you hear Vince Lombardi go, what the hell's going on out here? Excuse my saying of the word hell, but it's for a purpose this morning. But he can't understand. He can't believe what is going on. These are my champions. These are the ones that hold the crown. And yet... They're getting whooped around by the other team. Well, as a result of, of challenging them and getting them back on course, they eventually won the game and I think maybe even became champions again that year or soon after. But you know what? We could say that this morning, folks. I could say it. You could yell it out this morning. Whether it's in your life, your family, churches all around this city, all around the nation, out here in the world, what the hell is going on out there? Seriously, what's going on out there? You know what it is? It's the end days. Things have been unleashed from the pit of hell that were never, ever on the earth before. I believe it. There's been demonic Forces released, and people are out of their minds. Religious people are out of their minds, and the devil wants to get you and I out of our minds if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus. If we don't deal with sin, if we don't deal with the fact that you and I need to be born again, our families need to be born again, why do you think for months and months, even years, we've been promoting at a high level, Lord, family salvation, not one hoof left behind, not one family member. And you look at your families and you think, I haven't seen anything change. If anything, it's gotten worse. Folks, that's the way it works. If we don't really get after it, if people don't really get after it in the spirit, the devil has a heyday. And we're going to look at that this morning. But, you know, people today whether it's you and I, the world especially, even in the, in the world of Christendom out there, in churches, people are looking for life, amen? They're looking for life. They're not looking for death. And the only place to find life, as always, is where? In Christ Jesus, amen? Would you agree with me this morning? Hallelujah. The only place, and the one and only place. Now in verse 9 again, we see the first part of our message today, we see about sin. And again, it says of sin because they believed not on me. They would not believe that Christ was the answer, nor do many today, nor will many profess it today. Yet it's the greatest truth any of us could ever know. 
The world is full of sin, and sin is destroying many lives. You probably have seen it touch your own families or people around you. Sin will destroy lives, even in the church, amen. It will destroy lives in the church. It's a selfish, self-centered world where everyone wants what they want. Would you agree with that this morning? Everybody wants their way. I don't care if you're the preacher of preachers. If you're not following Christ and the cross, you're following another Jesus and you're following another gospel and it's going to aid and abet you more than it's going to aid and abet those that God has sent to you to minister to. It's just the way it is. But it's a selfish, self-centered world and everybody does want their way. There are 1,850 verses, I know because I checked on all of them. There are 1,850 verses in the New Testament that record Christ's words. And 13% of them, ladies and gentlemen, are on judgment and hell. Think about that this morning. 13% of 1,850 verses are talking about judgment and hell. In other words, it's pretty important. It's something he wants us to know, amen, and that us tell others about, amen. The younger generation of today, oh my, as you probably well know, has been brought into a world where everything has been given to them, and they, and they, they, uh, uh, they feel so entitled to everything, and that produces rebellion and witchcraft, amen. When you rebel against authority, especially the authority of the blood, the authority of Christ, you are operating not only in a spirit of rebellion, but the Bible tells us that the spirit of rebellion is as a spirit of witchcraft. How many want to operate under witchcraft? If you're rebellious towards the things of God, if you're rebellious towards the blood of Jesus, you are a rebel and you are operating under witchcraft. But again today, we're one prayer away and one repentant prayer away of saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I was wrong, and will you forgive me? Boom! It'll happen today. But if we don't know, and we walk in ignorance, and we walk in that self-centered, selfish way, as so many people do nowadays, it's scary when you look at people and what they demand. Look at what's come out of the last eight years of this nation and what has been known to be now is that it was called an entitlement nation. Everybody entitled to everything. And once it started to get taken away, all of a sudden the cries and the woos and the woes began to come forth. And like David Wilkerson said a number of years ago, he believed that before Christ would come again, before that there would be the rapture of the church, that there would be a major civil war in the United States. Folks, it's on the verge. I don't care if Donald Trump is the president. I don't care if we've got a Republican Congress and Senate. They're not doing anything anyway, are they? Nothing's happening. Hands are tied. It's all spiritual, amen. And it doesn't matter who's there, but it does matter in such a way as that is light going to advance or is darkness going to advance? Right now there's an opportunity for light to advance and dispel the darkness. 
Just like we've said before, we turn this room dark. As soon as we turn the light switches on, it's light and darkness is dispelled. That's what it's like when you're walking under the power of the blood. Hallelujah. But rebellion and witchcraft is running rampant. When they are introduced, again, talking about the youth of today to the church, they come in with the same attitude that they've been raised in. It's all about me, leaders and followers alike, even the young preachers of today. It's not about Christ anymore, but it's about me and my church and how many am I running? How many do I got in the pews? How many more can I get in by trickery and worldly ways? It's not about the gospel anymore, and it's a sad, sad state of affairs. It's like a buffet line of spirituality where they borrow from Buddha a little over here, and they borrow from Christ over here, and then they borrow from Muhammad down the middle a little bit, and they create a big salad of what? Religion. Religion never saved anybody, amen? That's why Christianity is not a religion. Did you know that? But it's a relationship, hallelujah. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion is not what we're looking for, hallelujah. It's a mixed bag of everything thrown into one and called spiritual. Have you heard that word before? They were very spiritual. They might have been very dark and very wrong also. Many people in churches today don't even really believe that the Bible is relevant anymore. They want something new. I won't give a name, but I watched not even that long ago somebody that was well-known, a pastor in a, another movement outside of what we would call a Pentecostal, charismatic, uh, born-again believer type church, but in what you would might refer to as an emergent church or a seeker-friendly church. One of the top dogs, so to speak, in that movement was interviewed by a famous interviewer on TV, and he says this. He says, we can no longer live on 2,000-year-old manuscripts, speaking of the Bible, but we've got to have something new and promoting everything wrong that there was from the gay agenda to you name it. They believe it all, and they think it's all okay. And yet, when asked, well, what do you think God thinks about this? He says, I think we're all going to be okay. Folks, we're not all going to be okay unless you got the blood on your life, amen, on your heart. Hallelujah. Think about it. What a plan that was that God, even before the foundation of the world, knew that we would have to have a Redeemer. He would send his son. He would shed his blood. He would die. Think of how bad sin must really be, how bad man must really be outside of being born again. Think about it this morning. Think about how bad I would have been, how bad you would have been if we would have lived this long outside of Christ, amen. Aren't you glad now for the blood this morning? Aren't you glad that we've got something to shout about? Aren't you glad when I come in here on Sundays, I try to promote you to worship and praise and get excited about the Lord, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Many say the Bible is so complicated that we need to apple pick scriptures that people will like and let that be the guiding 
principles for your life. And all I can say to that is, really? Really? Apple pick scriptures and try to make it all fit together? Some say even leave your Bibles at home. Really? I said something here to the guys on on Friday uh, when we were praying that a young lady on a YouTube video a few years back, I'm sure you can still find it if it's up, talked about having been in one of the uh, emergent, seeker-friendly churches, one of the big ones, for nine years before realizing what was going on and coming out, but said in nine years of attending, we were never once asked to bring our Bibles to church, and if anything, they said, don't try to figure it out. We'll tell you what it all means. How many want to trust that? Really? You know, really? Leave your Bibles at home? A lot of these churches want to get the over 50 crowd out. They want them out because why? We might actually know something about the Bible. And when you're promoting something else besides the truth and the true gospel, you can't have that. It's like a thorn in the flesh, only in the wrong way, in the opposite way. Hallelujah. The Bible is the whole counsel and instruction from God for our lives. Do you agree with that this morning? Anything short of that is a watered-down message that looks like a chunk of twist cheese. You all know what that looks like. Full of holes and not stable. Hallelujah. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, it's not the solid rock. The Bible is. I remember years ago, Rebecca, remember when the boys were little, we had that tape, music tape, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the best for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Do you know what somebody said about that one time? I don't know where it came from, if they thought it up, but it sure sounds good. It makes a lot of sense. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. Basic instruction before leaving earth. Folks, you want to be instructed how to live and how to get ready for the next life? Read your Bible. Get saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the Lord lead and guide you. Hallelujah. And I know that majority, if not everybody in here is like that, but there are many that we're going to hear this that aren't here this morning. When it comes time to have some faith, these people have none. These people are not brought together by, listen to this now, by what they believe, but how they feel. How are you feeling this morning? You feeling spiritual? You feeling good? You feeling like God's got a big hoop to do for you today? Hallelujah. Or are you feeling like you need to maybe repent and deal with some issues in life and let the blood wash and cleanse you this morning? That should not be the case for us here, though, today, should it, folks? We're not here based on how we feel. You can feel good about being here, but we're not here about feelings. We're here about the Lord. We're here about learning about him and stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. So many houses of worship and the people in them have pulled heavy on the world system. Amen. The music, the clothes, the styles, the lights, the smoke, and on and on. You all know about it if you 
been anywhere, you've read anything, you've looked at anything. That's why in these places you will never or very, very rarely hear a preacher preach on sin because it would make you feel uncomfortable. You're supposed to be feeling good. You're supposed to be feeling happy. You're supposed to think you're a champion. You're supposed to think that your best life is ahead of you. You don't have to change anything. You can just be who you are. Stay the same and get ready for action, Jackson. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 12 of the book of Romans says this. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed on to all men for that all have sinned. Folks, everyone, you and everybody else, is a sinner that needs saving. Thank God most of us have come through to salvation, amen. But everybody else out here, whether they're in churches that don't know what being born again means or your families, your coworkers, your neighborhoods, whatever, if you're not saved, you're still a sinner. You're still a heathen, and you're lost, and sin rules and has dominion in your life. Hallelujah. Sin, it'll break up homes. Sin will destroy your health. Sin will steal your money. Sin will rob you of your joy. Sin kills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will break up a wall between uh, you and God. It will put up a wall, I should say. Sin will take away far more than you ever thought it would. Sin is a killer, and it bringeth forth death. Do you hear me this morning? That's how powerful sin is. Don't let it linger, folks. Others would tell you great movements around the world in, in so-called modern-day churches will tell you, you don't ever have to repent of sin again. It's true that when you come to Christ, he does forgive your sins, past, present, and future. But if you sin, you still need to deal with it. For you to think that you never have to deal with sin again is a lie from the pit of hell. If you sin, folks, get rid of it. If I sin, get rid of it. Get back on track with the Lord. Hallelujah. The second thing you really have uh, rarely hear preached anymore. You rarely hear that you need to be born again. People like to talk about their latest experience. They like to keep up with what's going on out there in the world. Truth is a rare thing in places like this. The old paths, oh, Bob, even when we go back to singing, amen, singing the old time gospel sings, talking about Christ, talking about the blood, talking about uh, revival, talking about the movings and operations of the Holy Ghost, the old paths, Jeremiah 6.16, also talking about returning to the old paths. But the old paths were so much simpler, folks, and they were so much better. Some churches, and I've been in some of these, maybe you have too, they had an old pot-bellied stove, 
right in the middle of the church because that's what heated it. There was no air conditioning. Whatever the weather was, it was. And you were either hot or you were, you were cold. Amen. Hallelujah. You never see this anymore. We don't even have it here. But they used to have a lot of them, what was called a mourner's bench, where you got up there and you laid on it, you kneeled on it, you wept, you sobbed, you cried, whatever, and got yourself through to God. You dealt with sin. You dealt with the unsaved. You dealt with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you got brought through to victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And people literally getting down on their knees and start praying to God, and God started saving people and changing them. Hallelujah. All I can say is come on, somebody. Let's get some people saved. Let's get down on our knees, whether it's in the reality of the physical realm or you're bowed in your heart before the Lord. You're down on your knees. Some people maybe can't do it physically, but you can have a posture of bowing down and forgetting about everything else and say, my son isn't saved. My daughter, my mother, my father, my family, my neighborhood, whatever the case. And I'm going to pray at that mourner's bench. I'm going to get down and posture myself before the Lord, and I'm going to pray him through to victory. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm tired of the devil having his way. Amen. I'm tired of people being sick. I'm tired of people being unsaved. I'm tired of people being bound by darkness, hallelujah, because I've got the answer. You've got the answer. But what are we going to do with it, hallelujah? Hallelujah. I'll tell you, there. the Lord's moving here this morning. The Lord has been moving for several weeks here. And I'll tell you what, he's getting ready to explode with the gospel in action. The gospel in action, the gospel being preached, taught, sung, clapped, danced, whatever the case, but there's going to be joy in the house once again that's going to spill over into a lot of lives that are hurting and messed up that will never have a chance if they don't get the gospel because you and I both know it's the only thing that's going to work. Hallelujah. God is a big God, as you well know. He's bigger than all of your and my needs. He's big enough to save what every sinner, everyone is within lines and within reach of God. We see it throughout the scriptures. We see it in our own lives. Some people that were the worst of the worst. Look at the apostle Paul. Look at everybody that you might know. Look at yourself. But God's arm wasn't too short to reach out. Right, John? Not too short. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The, the Bible tells us very clearly that whosoever will call, amen, whosoever will call, whosoever will believe. Hallelujah. Now, the third thing that you rarely hear preached is the subject of hell. And we all know that to be very true. Eternal judgment and hell, the reason is they don't believe it's real. Most people they don't believe it or they don't want to believe it. 
so it's easy to just to block it out. And there is no longer any fear and awe of the Lord God Almighty. They don't fear him anymore. Not that we should walk around, you know, being afraid of God, but we should have a reverent fear of who he is and respect him and be in awe of him. That's how we should be living our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there is no fear of God. Don't offend anybody, these people will say. Lawlessness and contempt is abounding. Even in our churches, it's lawless. There's contempt for everything. If I was to go into most churches and preach this message this morning, I'd be dragged out, tarred and feathered, and hit with tomatoes over and over and told never to come back again. Don't come in here and scare the people. Don't come in here and do that. I mean, all the time I'm coming in, I'm saying, God's got a plan for you. You can be saved. You don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to go through life thinking that everything's okay when you know it's not okay. You can have what God has for you if you'll just yell, yield to him, come to him. Amen. That would be my heart behind it, but they don't want to hear it because it will affect the way operations are happening in that place. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. Hebrews 9, 27 says this, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but what? But after this, the judgment is real and is coming, folks. You and I will be part of it if we're not saved. It's real. We can go to heaven or we can go to hell. We can live in sin and live under the adju- judgment of God like so many are, so many nations even, for the rejection of Christ. Or we can live in the blessings, the promises, and the provisions that Jesus died to give us at Calvary. Amen. Why do you think I'm such an advocate of praying the Lord's Prayer? Because Jesus told us to pray it, but he also said it ties you directly to the new covenant. It ties you directly to what I did for you at Calvary. Who wouldn't want that? Amen. Who wouldn't want that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's real and it's coming. Jesus preached more on hell than any other one. People on the earth hate to hear the word repent, while those in hell, listen to this, folks, while those in hell wish they could hear it one more time. How real it is. If you want to hear a really good message I preached a few years ago, I'm sure it's in the master volumes back there, two destinies, talking about the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. The beggar laid at the gate of the rich man would never receive anything from the rich man. Sick in life, all that he ever had happened to him was the dogs would lick his sores, the Bible tells us. Rich man dressed in purple, sumptuous food and everything. Eventually they both die And here's the catch right here, folks. The Bible says that the rich man died. That's all it says. But he ended up in hell. But it says, and Lazarus died, and angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. In other words, even though he had a rough life, he was a believer. He was sick. He didn't get healed on this side 
of heaven, but he got eternally healed, and angels carried him into glory. He's now there still while the rich man is trying to get Father Abraham to go back. I think that's what it is. I might be wrong on my name I'm using here, but the rich man is trying to have someone go back and tell my family, tell my brothers, tell my family how bad it is here. Tell them I know that's over for me, but that they need to repent. They need to accept the Lord and stuff. Just think of how many people are like that today. They thought everything was okay. They thought because I go to church, I'm religious or I'm a good person. We've all heard stories like this before. But yet today they burn and they are in agony eternally forevermore. How bad is that? How sad is that scenario? And yet we're only one breath away of either heaven or hell. John, as you know, back a few years on the beginning of the year, the first Sunday of January, I preached a parallel message of sinners in the hands of an angry God by Jonathan Edwards. And he refers to it there as that sinners are on a rotting tarp. There's holes all over in it. There's a tarp that's just hanging slightly above the flames of hell that could burn through or drop at any moment. Folks, it's scary to think that if you're not saved and the world is the way it is, people are the way they are, and one breath away from eternally putting yourself in hell. God's not putting us there. He's already given us an out. He's given us a plan through his son. Nobody has to go there. The reason people go there is a rejection of Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. His complete and finished work, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection has paved the way. And again, I know I'm preaching to mostly the choir here this morning, but we've got family members that aren't saved. We've got extended family members that are hanging over that tarp right now. And, folks, it's time to get serious. It's time to go whether there's a pot belly stove, air conditioning, or whatever, and get down at that mourner's bench and do some business with God. Amen. It's time that no, it's business as usual is over. I'm here to tell you that this morning. Whatever that means for you and me, it could be very similar. It could be very diverse. But business is over as usual. Or we're going to be very sad that we didn't do everything that we had the ability to do to win the lost. Do you agree with me this morning? Hallelujah. 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 But two destinies. That's a good CD if you'd like to get that. Hallelujah. Remember, as the church goes, so goes the nation. Is it any wonder at all to anyone why things are in the shape they are in politically and spiritually? Is it any wonder why it is the way it is? Hallelujah. Again, a sad story. Demonic forces are at work in the earth, as I said earlier today, and the church now more than ever 
It's the battle of the ages, and they only steal, kill, and destroy. They want to take. Right now, you probably might even be fighting off some sleepiness. You might be fighting off some thoughts in your mind. The devil's standing at the door back there waiting to grab you as you go out and say, you're not going to really believe that, are you? You're really not going to do what he said, are you? That's how they steal and they destroy and they kill. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this this morning. Obey them who have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Folks, I want you to consider greatly this morning not submitting to me as a man but submitting to the gospel that I'm preaching to you this morning. I am a watchman on the wall here again this morning telling you the truth of the word of God, and I am going to be held accountable for it. If I were to stand up here and preach nothing but fluff to you, preach another gospel and another Jesus, folks, I am in serious you-know-what with God. You can fill in the blanks. I'm in serious blankety-blank with God because your blood, the Bible tells us in other verses, will be on my head. I'm giving it to you. Now you're responsible. Not that I go, oh, okay, I got rid of that one. I'm not talking about that. I don't feel that way. But, folks, there is a plan in God for you and I that is much bigger and much better than most of us have ever experienced. There's a much bigger plan for our families, for our cities, for our communities. And I'm not talking about dominionism. I'm not talking about we're going to change the world and make it so much better, and then we, the Christians, will tell Jesus when it's time to come back. As many people believe that garbage, you can't find it in the Scriptures. Jesus said that everything's worth going to wax worse and worse, amen. He said he doesn't even know if he'll find faith on the earth when he returns. Folks, he better. And in you and I, he better because we hear about it week in and week out. You know it in your homes. You know it in this church. Faith is what we preach here. Truth is what we preach here and teach on Wednesday nights. When we sing, we sing faith. We sing grace and mercy. Faith and grace, faith and grace, mercy. Hallelujah, the finished work, the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But this scripture, Hebrews 13, we're almost done. This scripture is talking about pastors and even more so the gospel that he or she preaches. And the people are to submit to the true gospel that is being preached by what? True pastors. You can have a pastoral name and not be preaching the gospel. You know that. These pastors have the spiritual welfare of people in their heart. That's me, folks, for you again this morning. Every preacher will give an account to God for their ministry. One day I'm going to have to stand before him 
and answer questions. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad it's me and not you? <laughs> but no matter how much you may like and follow someone, if their gospel is wrong, folks, it's wrong. Whoever you read after, whoever you watch, whoever you've maybe known in your life for years, if it's not Jesus Christ and him crucified, if it's not his death, burial, or resurrection, or if it's that and a whole bunch of other stuff like Paul was dealing with in the book of Galatians with the Judaizers. Folks, there's Judaizers in our day and hour, people that would love to get you to get your focus on a whole bunch of other stuff and get it off the real truth. Hallelujah. But if that's what's going on, folks, it's wrong. Just stop. You're harming yourself. You're harming those that you love. Follow the gospel. Don't follow another gospel. And if the people will not listen when the true gospel is preached, the gospel will be of no profit to them, the Bible tells us. These things grieve the true preacher and how true it is. I can say amen to that. If I was to tell you things like I tell you today, tell you week in and week out, and I see things getting worse in your life, and I scratch my head and I just think, boy, that grieves me. That grieves me that there's not more fruit taking place there. Acts 20, verses 26 through 28, the Apostle Paul speaking. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Folks, when I preach on sin, the new birth, and hell, I'm giving you the whole counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, pastors in their churches, he's speaking to here, and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, to tend as a shepherd, which he has purchased with his own blood. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Hear the words of the Holy Spirit from the word of God and through my vocal cords today. The Holy Spirit is speaking today. The word of God is speaking today. And now I'm going to close, and musicians, you can come back up. But I want to read just a little bit farther on that same chapter 20 right there. And we're going to look at verses 29 through 32 as we prepare to go to the altar. Acts 20, verses 29 through 32. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Like I said, folks, the demons and the devil himself is ready to enter in to steal from you every good thing that God has given you and wants to give you. Hallelujah. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. You could be a disciple of Christ, but listen to the wrong thing and end up being a disciple of the devil. 
is possible. Paul is saying it right here. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with what? Tears, crying, weeping, mourning over the fact that you've got to get this. You've got to get this straight. You've got to hear it. You've got to hear that Jesus is the way. He's the only way. He gave me the revelation on the backside of the desert of the new covenant. He knocked me off my horse and blinded me. He changed me completely. I used to kill people like you. I thought of nothing else but killing Christians. Now I am one as you, and God has spoken deeply to me, is what he is saying here. Hallelujah. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Amen. Hallelujah. How do we get saved at the foot of the cross and the blood of Jesus? How do we get sanctified the same way? Verses uh, 23 of Luke 9. Daily coming to the cross, laying down everything about us, good, bad, and in between, denying who we are all about us, and picking up the cross and following him. In other words, I've come to you for salvation. Now I'm coming to you for sanctification. I can't live this life the way I need to without your help, without the blood, without the finished work, without the moving and the operation and the power of your mighty and awesome Holy Spirit. I don't want to just be saved, but I want to be sanctified, walking in ongoing perpetual victory and not allowing one foothold of the enemy in my life. Amen? So today, we're just going to bow our heads. We're going to make straight what we need to do with God ourselves in the area of sin, the new birth, and hell. And we're going to bring family members before them today. And we're going to bring this community and the communities that you live in is a God when we pray according to his will as we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer that in 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15 it tells us that God not only hears our prayers but he answers them when we pray according to his will.